Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, October the 6th, 2015. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because then that makes this your show. We do already have a hand up, but let's first welcome Michael. Well, thank you, dear heart, and uh, welcome, everyone. We're honored that you're here to share this space with us and to enter into the discussion of first-century Aramaic forgiveness, a tool that we are committed to taking to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And it's interesting how, you know, if somebody wants to build a house and they go in and they get all the materials, they're going to have a really tough time building their house if they don't have hammers and saws and screwdrivers and concrete tools, it's going to be really tough to build a house. And that analogy fits perfectly with building a life and especially taking down an aspect of life that really isn't serving us. The tool for doing that is called forgiveness. I was talking to someone the other day. Someone called me. I was doing some processing with them. And they were in their 60s, had done a lot of work, had, had you know, been sort of a seminar junkie for years and years and years. And one thing they said to me was that, you know, once I found your work, Michael, all of a sudden I had a way to do what everybody else was talking about achieving. They said, I've done Deepak and I've done, you know, Dyer and I've done, you know, and they named off about five or six, you know, well-known people. I've done all their work, but nobody ever gave me a tool for how to change the content of my mind. You know, to recognize that we are creators, as creators, according to the content we hold within our minds, we set up our world and set up our lives. But the other night, the, uh, the new arrivals and I and Jeannie, and we sat and we watched the... Uh, the new video on uh, A Course in Miracles, which we hope to have complete soon and available on DVD. But this new video is uh, is basically uh, one, the, the lesson, what is the world from A Course in Miracles? I think it was probably the most misunderstood and one of the most important lessons in the course. And I kind of forgot when I introed that, I had brought forward another lesson or another thought from the course that says that one of the reasons why we hold on to keeping things the way they are is that if we're not right, our whole thought structure would collapse. If we threaten one area of our thought structure, 
that I would offer for about probably at least 99% of the people on the planet would be one of the most desirable things to have happen if one could see the results of that. However, it is the most terrifying, uh, threatening thing that could possibly happen for someone who doesn't know that they are suffering from a case of mistaken identity and have set up everything to work the way that it's working in their lives. And so the whole purpose of the work is to threaten your thought structure because your reality, they'll go back to that idea we expressed so often from the CIA. Go to the CIA's official website, you know, Google uh, CIA perception and reality. And you'll find a quote there where, you know, these are some of the top experts in the world. They've been doing this stuff for a lot of generations, a long time, looking at how to manipulate people and how to control people. And, of course, in this in this case, they're talking about how to get the, the best perception possible from their analysts. And what they say on their website very clearly, and that's exactly what the course is, exactly what we've been teaching for for 50 years and exactly what the ancient scriptures were teaching. Interesting to see the CIA arrive at that. But it it says, quote, we do not record reality, we generate it. And your reality structure, literally the whole world you see, and this is the the foundation of that um, lesson on Course in Miracles, the whole world you see is a picture between your ears generated by your thought system. If the world you see produces rage and guilt and grief and fear and pain in you, then you want that world to collapse. Now, most people, most gurus out there are talking about how, well, you know, we'll create this wonderful thing and we'll have this wonderful thing happen and it'll just be great if we can positive think our way through this. But nobody shows you how to collapse the thought system that created the insanity. There was a teacher 2,000 years ago, and I'm not going to pretend in a million years that I I came to the conclusions that I teach. I wish I were that smart. Not me. But I did get to engage in the first century Aramaic words of a man named Yeshua who understood exactly how to do it. I did get to decode his core teaching on how to do that, how to do that, the tool, the hammer with which you crack and dissolve everything that your pain is based in. The tool is called forgiveness. It's a how-to. It isn't a positive thinking course. It isn't about, you know, why is this happening to me again? It isn't about positive thinking. It isn't about, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? It's about let's get down to the gut work of removing what never belonged threatening the whole energetic structure that holds all of that in place, get enough people through the gate. You know, he said a little leaven and leaven's the whole loaf. I think we're fairly safe in assuming he wasn't talking about bread. He was talking about humanity. Get enough people through the gate of cracking the insane thought structure, that is, the thought structure based in hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, and war, and how all-pervasive is that one, Crack that thought structure, and that's what forgiveness does, and give people the support for bringing in the truth of who they are and building a world based on the truth of who they are. Who are you, really? I love the line from the movie, uh, oh, what was the name of it? The line being, I see you. I see you. I see who you really are. If you're suffering... From a case of mistaken identity, we know who you are. We see you. And you're not that thing that you try to keep hidden from yourself and others. If you hold a newborn child, that newborn child will give you a direct experience of human life. It is this awesome, active presence of love that we are designed to live from. And so all you have to do to build a world based on that is forgive everything unlike that. Now, you'll notice the thought structure of the current insanity in the world, of the rage and guilt and grief and war, is if you're in pain,
somebody else's fault. Learn forgiveness. Learn how to let them off the hook for your pain, and then you'll be better off. If I let you off the hook for the fact that my physiology, my mind, my emotions are producing pain, have I done anything to change the root of my pain? Absolutely nothing whatsoever. It's a joke. It's insane. Stop forgiving people. Never forgive anybody ever again. And I can keep saying, oh, yeah, that's right, I got to forgive myself. Never forgive yourself ever again for anything. That's not forgiveness. That's pardoning. It's a nice thing to do, but it's got nothing to do with forgiveness. Letting yourself or somebody else off the hook. What the world calls forgiveness is pardoning. And if you choose to pardon someone, you know somebody did something really bizarre and often wanted to say, you know, I pardon you, I'll let you off the hook for that. Then if you understand that that's pardoning and not forgiveness, then you move forward and you do your forgiveness work. You'll drop inside your own mind and you will remove your capacity to generate a construct called pain. Forgiveness is aimed at moving inside of each of us as individuals and removing what never belonged. It has nothing to do with letting somebody else off the hook because your mind is creating a construct that is painful for you. So we're here to support that understanding and the use of that tool. If you've never accessed that tool, it's freely available on our website. Go to www.whyagain.org. Scroll down the page a little bit. In the middle of the page there, you'll see a red and white bullseye. Click on the bullseye, and a full set of free instructions will come up, including at least 16 radio shows where either Dr. Kim or Jeannie or myself have walked somebody step-by-step step through how to forgive. The worksheet's there, the instructions in there. Take it and go to work and watch the game change. Now, there's a challenge in doing that. And the challenge is that most people have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and not gotten anywhere, so they say, well, I guess it must be impossible. And their belief becomes, well, this is just cemented in stone. That's the way they are. I have nothing to do with it. Of course, it's all their fault. I'll just keep forgiving them. And the truth is, the only thing set in stone is your own thought structure. The only thing that needs to be cracked open and removed, forgiven, is the insanity in your thought structure. So that's what we're here to support. We're delighted to have you with us to share this space. Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us? He is, and he's on. I am, and I'd love to hear what the caller has to say who chimed in so early. It's okay. Well, let's go to our caller, and then we'll come back to Dr. Tim. All right. It's Oh, they just disappeared. If you're still on the switchboard, if you would just press 1, that'll put you back up there. But, yeah, they just disappeared off the switchboard. So go for it, Dr. Tim. Well, I'm oh, doing well. I'm in the world today, Tim? I'm doing well. I'm having a... A nice day so far, and looking forward to a support group tonight, another one on Thursday. And I would say that um, I have enjoyed What is the World, the newest version that you sent me that came right after two nights of you being with Dale Allen Hoffman and um, Aramaicisms. I enjoyed both of those as well. I had the thought that perhaps you're clarity and the flow that was coming during that lecture, what is the world, was probably influenced by ramping up to it with two two nights of being exposed to the audience and Dale and and I I have great appreciation for the clarity I get when I listen to those lessons over and over again. So that's my offering for today. I, um, I I continue to work with people and offer the tools, and some really jump right on the wagon and start using them and changing their life, and others want to 
hold on to their discomfort and claim it's everybody else's fault and um and I just bless their hearts and keep offering the tools to those who want it. And um I think it's one of the one of the nice things about our life is that we do have that choice. We have this infinite capacity to choose in each moment whether we're going to choose love or fear. So I count myself fortunate to be one of those who was raised in a more loving environment and who had my eyes open wide enough to see the benefit of these tools when they were presented to me. Well, I second you on all fronts, Tim, and I you know, we just watched a couple of nights ago that video again and it was really um fun and exciting to watch how it all fell in place and came together and watching the sequence of Aramis Systems one, Aramis Systems two and and then the uh the Course of Miracles made for a, a really fun series. It was really powerful. And we look forward to getting those on D V D and getting them into our catalog and hopefully available to the public. You of course have a pre edited version. Um and we're delighted to have the opportunity to share that with you and have your feedback on it and we're moving in the direction. I was just so, saying it's a pleasure to be honored. on the team and and have access to that. And to be able to share it with our support group who have all had great appreciation for it. Cool. Awesome. Well, has our caller shown back up, Jeannie? No, they have not. Well, bummer. There might be somebody who, you know, maybe had a few minutes at work and were <coughs> not able to stay on the show. I know we have some people who do that. And so we apologize for missing your call if you're still listening. And we'll look forward to the first opportunity that you have to get back on the phone and push one and ask your question. In the meantime, our call-in number is 646-200-4169. And if you call that number and you push one, that will put a little hand up in the control panel and Jeannie will know you want to talk to us. And we would love to hear from you. It is the questions, the comments, the process that happens live, I think that is the most awesome gifts to everybody who gets to listen to the show, whether they're listening to it live or listening to it in the archives. So we'd love to hear your voice if you're there. And, you know, if if, uh, if I had presented in your town, I was standing in front of, you know, you at your library or your university or your church or whatever and presented that opening on perception, I know that when I came down off the stage, you would have walked over to me and said, Michael, I just have a quick question. It's interesting how everybody's question is just a quick question. <laughs> and the reason we're here on the show, and oftentimes people kind of sabotage themselves by leaving it to the end to ask the questions, do it now. Push one. Gives us time for conversation. And so, again, if you're on one of those stations we can't uh, see you through our, our switchboard, then if you call 646 200 4169 and push 1, you'll be talking to us. So, Jenny, anything happening in the chat room or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up? Nope, it's real quiet on the home front here. Nobody's asking any questions. And I was just checking out a few things. Dr. Tim, I'm going to send you an email about the issues you were having about the, the alarms that you were getting on the shows. So, I'll send you something on there to check out for me and let me know. Um, might share last night, you know, we had this the follow-up, the second half of uh, doing the worksheet with the whole crew that was here, and another family had joined us, and we had talked about this uh, yesterday, and that their little nine-year-old um, felt safe enough to be able to express some sadness that she had, and so I assisted her in doing a worksheet around her, her guilt. She actually, what came out about it was that she see that her grandmother passed away before she had an opportunity to really get to know her. 
And uh, so working with her on a worksheet around that and getting her to look at it. And then as she talked about it, then it triggered in to some things for her mom. And, and so we got to see that they both had kind of the same guilt, sad, genetic component. And so that was pretty neat to go through that again. And, and I think everybody in the group got a lot of ahas. There were several people that as you were going through the worksheet, they were like, well, when did you add that? And there were a couple of points that they asked if you would talk about on the show and bring out a little more um, pointedly. And one of them, I believe, was near the top where, you know, you talk about do separate worksheets for different feelings and then do separate worksheets for different thoughts. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Michael? Sure. Tell us tell us a little bit more about your interaction with Maddie, if you would. That was so powerful to just stand back and watch that happen. Um, she was you know, very uh, willing to go through the worksheet. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of words, and she doesn't read real well. So a lot of it, um, you know, I would try to point to the words as you were reading it, but... Uh, she couldn't follow a lot of that. So a lot of the times I would just be whispering in her ear to kind of give her a synopsis of what you were saying, to give her a short form of it. And, you know, she recognized, you know, that what she was feeling was guilty and that her grandmother had died and that she didn't get to know her. And as she got on down through, she had a little bit of a challenge um, going through the, you know, I cancel my need for that. And then her word for Ruka to Kutcha, she just said God. And so to ask God to help, you know, kick in the, you know, to be connected to love and, and all of that. And when we took an intermission, I showed her the and some of the other videos we have on the website just so that she could tap into what you were talking about, that when you hold the space of love that it, you know, others get it. And it creates a space for everyone, and she really liked that. Um, when she got down though to canceling her goal, and she said she felt better. She couldn't think of, well, what do you mean? What do I see when I look up at it? And so I kind of threw out a few little suggestions and said, you know, well, what about, you know, you're just a child, and so for you to have gotten to know your grandmother better would have required an adult to take you to see your grandmother. You it's you couldn't have done it on your own. And I'd say, does that make sense? And she'd say, yeah. And I'd say, well, do you think you could have done it on your own? And she'd go, yeah. And I was like, but you're a child. How could you have gotten to her without the assistance? I said, you're limited to what you could have done. So part of you not knowing her, you're innocent about this. And... It's your, what you could do is dependent upon an adult in your space, whether it was your mom, your dad, an older sibling, or, or the grandparents themselves or whoever, that you were dependent on them to get you to where your grandmother was, get your grandmother to you, so that you could get to know her better. I said you were a little bit limited on what you could do as still being a child. And it was like she couldn't quite grab that. She couldn't quite let go of that wasn't her fault. And um, But she did say she felt better. And so then when we got down to the part um, where I see that I have violated that, tried to, to say, you know, there's a part of you that you don't know either. And I said getting to know yourself a little better and who you really are instead of blaming yourself for things that you had no control over. And so getting to know yourself better is something that you would look at. And then when we got down to the last one of number seven, it was, you know, your grandmother's not in her body anymore, but you can still get to know who she was and who she still is. I said, you know, she's still here. She's still with you. You know, it's just you don't see her in her body form the way that you used to see her. And uh, so she seemed to to really get that. And then afterwards she shared, you know, there were a couple of times that she stepped up and she says, I have another question. And it would be like, okay, so as soon as you would stop talking, I'd kind of motion you that she had another question. And and one of them came back out that she could remember when she was really small, 
Now, she's just nine, so she says this like it was, you know. (laughs) And she said, I remember when I was really little, and she was staying at her father's, and her older sister was there, and, and she said she went to sleep, and even though she was asleep, she realized, or I guess she sensed her sister had left the room, and her dad was asleep, so when she woke up, she felt alone, and she felt afraid. And so that after talking with her a little bit and her mom and stepfather kind of piped in a little bit and and asked her a few questions, then we could see where she doesn't like to be, like if she's sent to her room and she's in there alone and by herself, it resonates that. Or, you know, if she's sometimes at night, they said she wants, you know, to go sleep with them. She doesn't want to sleep alone. And so that that experience, even as a small child, she can see how it's impacted her now, and she's just nine years old. So it's awesome that she's, at this young age, getting the tools to be able to make that change. And then her mom tapped into a few things, too, and had some tears and shared some stuff, you know, and she has some guilt and sadness around different things, too. And mom even admitted that, you know, she's sitting there holding her newborn, and she said that she has... You know, she can look at other people and look at her children and see that awesomeness. But she said, you know, that when Michael says, see yourself as that newborn, she said, I can't. She cannot imagine herself being that sweet, awesome, innocent thing that she's holding in her arms during the workshop. And uh, so, you know, we can see that there's a genetic pattern for that family. And it's awesome that they're using the tools and and they talked about the community and and how that this is... uh, what they've been looking for to to belong to a group that was consciously creating and that was working through issues and that ate good and you know the whole aspect of it they just love the whole thing and actually it's the the stepfather uh, Matt who is working on our uh, getting our sprouter program going again so that whole family is really becoming part of Heartland too so yeah pretty sweet so how it was just, yeah. It was just really sweet to sit back and actually, I, I took a picture or two that I. Oh, they're on your phone. They're not on mine. I was just need to post on Facebook. But it was just really cool to sit back and watch your interaction and the energy between the two of you, and then between the four of you, mom and the smaller baby. It was just really sweet to do that and. And, you know, when you go back to Yeshua and they say to him, well, how many of these worksheets do we have to do? Is seven enough? And his reply in Aramaic was, no, 77 times 70. There is more work for her to do around that issue. You know, it's very likely the fact that she felt so responsible for not getting to know her grandmother, a good possibility that when she gets down to it, she's going to uncover a genetic pattern of over-responsibility and guilt for being over-responsible. So it'll be fun in the future to watch her as she grows and her understanding and use of the worksheet process. This is, I'm not sure whether this is her first worksheet, whether her mom's been doing some with her, but it'll be really sweet she to just that watch they her. Had looked, she said they had looked at the uh, children's version, but I think this was the first one for any of them on the full seven step that we usually use. So I think the next time I know that Maddie's coming over, I'll I'll print off some of the children's versions and have them for. I think that'll be easier. Cool, sweet. So that's um, you know you watch. We've seen kids as young as four successfully using the forgiveness process. It's never too early to start, and. I hold the space for the day when it's the norm in our culture to show children how to free themselves from hostility, fear, sadness, grief, rage, pain, trauma, and to live truly as that awesome presence of love we're designed to live as, to really truly live as human beings. It's just uh, an exciting prospect. And uh, a project to move forward. I know that, and I'm not sure where we haven't had another conversation with Julie about um, her thinking on how to get this into uh, more teachers' hands. But uh, Julie, if you're there and you have any thoughts to share, it'd be cool to hear from you. 
And then the thing you mentioned when we started out is from the, the step one in the worksheet where we talk about making sure that in step 1B, you use a word that represents actual feelings. You know, in our intellectually oriented culture, we oftentimes use thoughts to keep separated from feelings. And I've seen people go through literally a dozen, 15, 20 different thoughts and not having a clue what they're feeling, not be able to come up with a word that represents feelings because they're so divorced from their feelings. And to recognize how important it is to let ourselves be in touch with that because it is a key guidance system for telling us when our lives are off track. Now, of course, the culture has turned it around and, and had us believe that other people make us feel, and it's their fault that we're feeling that way. What we're looking to do is to get people to understand that in your structure there is a guidance system, and when the alarm goes off, it won't do any good to send the fire trucks to somebody else's house. <laughs> cancel the thought you want them at your house if there's a fire so if hostility or fear shows up you want to learn to drop into your own mind and then when you realize that the mind structures the world that it sees literally nothing out there resembles the pictures that our mind makes our mind makes pictures up out of the energy we've accumulated and overlays it on what's actually happening in the world. And in order to create, you know, the example I used last night, look around the room in order to, you know, see 15 different faces, light bulbs, a couch, a chair, a carpet, a lectern, a whiteboard, a marker in my hand, and all these so-called bodies, in order to see that, how many files in the mind have to fire in order to produce that world. I mean, it's huge. I mean, who knows? Millions, billions perhaps of firing brain cells go into producing the the end result of this 3D hologram that our brain clearly generates that does not exist anywhere but but except in the individual brain that's perceiving it. And so the importance of recognizing if I have two or three or four feelings triggered by an event, each one of those feelings is going to be based in a different thought, and each thought is going to produce a different quality of input into my structured reality. And so the importance of recognizing if I list two or three, you know, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm afraid, and I'm, I'm hateful because this happened, of course, that's denial. When I say all those things are going on to me because of that, I'm now pretending that something outside of me made me hateful, sad, angry, or afraid. So to undo the denial and recognize that in this circumstance, what's triggered in me are these feelings, and each feeling is a totally separate worksheet. So it's important to recognize that I, in that case, I would do a worksheet on anger using the same circumstance. I would do a worksheet on fear using the same circumstance. I would do a worksheet on rage using the same circumstance. I would use a, do a worksheet on hatred using the same circumstance. And each of those worksheets will produce a different healing result. And in exactly the same way, if I see that there are a number of different thoughts involved in a situation... You know, each of those feelings is going to be produced by a different thought. The person who's in fear in a situation probably has a thought of something like, this is going to hurt me or damage me. The person who's in anger is probably in the space of, I don't want to hurt, I don't want to feel this, so I'll anesthetize myself with anger. The person who's in hatred probably has a thought, something along the lines of, I have to get even, I have to get them for what they've done. I've got to punish them. And so each of those would be a different worksheet, different feeling, different thought, different healing result. And the more we can go into the hidden parts of our mind, which are called the dissociated mind, the part of our minds that we deny and want to blame everybody else for, the more places I can collapse 
errant input, the more the structured reality in my mind is going to support me experiencing what's actually happening in the world rather than pretending that what's firing in my brain cells that produces the world that I see is what's happening out there in the world. And so as I recognize that each feeling, each thought is a different worksheet, I get a different healing opportunity from it. Oh, cool. So let's say hello. Jeannie just tells me that um, that Terry and Susan have joined us. So one of you folks have something to share, start out with. Tell us what's happening. Hello, Susan. I heard hey, your voice. Hey, I got you both on. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome. I'm so delighted you guys came. Got so much, uh, you know, underway. Um, Stuart and uh, Scott have already got the uh, the, the primer on uh, the art center and getting ready to do the uh, the, the base coat for uh, for the final oh. uh, painting. So. So things are rocking along here. We got gorgeous weather. It's probably about seventy degrees, sunny, beautiful, just just awesome, perfect weather for what uh, for what's happening. So thank you for your input on all of that. So what's exciting in your world? What do you have to share with us, Terry? I'm not. I'm not hearing you, Terry. Hey, can you hear me now? Hey, there you go. I got you. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's just so much. Uh, there's so much going on that uh, uh, that opens up uh, for me. You know, every time I reconnect to the deeper level, I'm just having a lot of good stuff coming up. And looking at things, enjoying it, and uh, uh, still kind of processing that whole trip. It was a a long trip, and I want to thank Susan so much for providing that transportation and support that whole venture. That was a big, big, uh, big, big thing. Big thing. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome, sweetie. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. You're loud and clear, Susan. Go for it. <laughs> question. I had. Terry might have been the person that hung up. Sometimes I'll say, did you get on the radio show? And he'll say, well, I did for a while. And then I had to go because I had this or that. And so I thought, but my question is um, about the worksheet um, last night. And he was talking to me about um, the box at the bottom of the page on the worksheet where you put your initials. Uh, in the beginning of doing the worksheet, I put everyone's initials that I had had that goal for. And then somewhere along the way, and I don't even know when or who, I got the message that it was only supposed to be my initials there. So then I went back to just putting my initials there and thinking that it still was a mass canceling of everyone that I'd ever held that goal for. So I wanted clarity around that, and that was the reason I put my hand up. But you can do that after we complete or, or on another show, but that was just a question that I had. I just want clarity around that. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because that question came up last night for a couple of people who have been doing worksheets for a while, and there were misperceptions about it. So, yeah, perfect to clear that up. And the idea is to recognize that usually a goal where there's a lot of emotion attached to it is a goal that we've held for many, many people. And so the idea of that step and the initials is to put the initials of everybody we've ever held that goal for. Not your initials, but everybody you've ever held that goal for. So if I had that goal, you know, I wanted to be treated gently and respectfully by mom, then I'd put mom in there. I wanted to be treated gently and respectfully by dad, i put dad in there. I wanted to be treated gently and respectfully by my big sister and my big brother, and that first person that I dated and that first relationship and, and my boss and you know whoever's there and the idea, and you were right on uh, with your first way of doing it, was to do a mass canceling of once you, got, once you got the ball rolling and you've canceled that goal in one circumstance, 
you've opened a space for the entity to move on another level. So you're right on with the uh, the using of those initials, so, uh, Susan. Cool. That's that's well. I was, and so now I'll go back. Oh, that was my next question. Was once you do this mass canceling and you've got all the different people, is it necessary to go back then and do a worksheet on each one of those people with that goal and the thought and the feeling, or is it okay to just go on and consider that already completed and done? I hear a paper. Not who that, well, my, sure who that is. Go ahead, So Michael. my take would be, my take there would be that the idea is to, um, to if, if you see that, let's say, I cancer for mom, I cancer for dad, I cancer for my big brother, and all of a sudden when I put big brother in there, whoa, I get this rush of energy. Yeah, I'm going to want to go and do more specific worksheets around that issue, I'm going to want to take that particular issue with that individual and dig more deeply into the process. Absolutely. Yes. And, and you know, I, I see a lot of people that are doing, you know, I have coached to do worksheets in the past, and, and I know everything's projection. So, but I, what, I, what comes up is there is a, a thought that if I do this worksheet and I stir this up, then I'm going to have five more to do. And to me, what I see is what's happening in my life has like, it's just like a tree. It has several different roots that it came from that built the reality that I see today. And in order for me to collapse that projection, I have to be willing to take each one of those roots to dig down to the first time it happened and start to pull them up so that that projection and so I see it as an opportunity. And sometimes I just, like I'm doing them, I'll just set up a few worksheets with the thought or the feeling for later on when I sit down at, in the evening to do my worksheets and I'm so tired I can't even think. Then I've got these worksheets already loaded, ready to go to be cleaned up. They may not be ones that are causing me extreme pain in this moment as far as uh, feelings, but they are there running in the background on my in my thought system, kind of like running in the background on the computer. And it's just great to have them. That's why I think it's so good to have a commitment where I'm willing to do so many worksheets a day, just to, like I take a shower. It's just keeping my mind clean. It's, it really does, for me, um, it seems to soften those heavy, uh, um, as Terry calls them, when you pop. It softens the pop when I'm always doing a certain number of worksheets and keeping it kind of, it's like house cleaning. It's like you have to keep it kind of tidy, and then once in a while you'll go do a cleaning. But you keep things picked up and you keep things straightened up, and that's what I see that process of doing those worksheets on a regular basis and breathing and holding the space of love. You know, I'm learning since Terry and I are together that um, doing a love exchange in the moment of an upset, um, even if the person that, that the upsets with it you're, is not the one bringing that love to that energy field. My energy, the one reaping what I'm thinking and feeling. It shifts the energy and it's, it's beautiful. It really is. I'm learning. There's a lot more tools in the worksheet, and I love the worksheet. So, anyway, I'll, I'll hush with that. Maybe Terry has something he wants to add. Well, let me let me throw a thought or two in here. You know, there's a concept in the computer world of what's called a TSR called a terminate and stay resident. There are small programs that run in the background, like for instance, you know, you've got a TSR for your printer. If you, you can shut your printer down totally, and then when you go to print, you might have to wait for a minute or two or three for the printer driver to load and, and get ready to print. But if you've got the printer in the TSR stage, you've got to terminate and stay terminate. In other words, the program shut down, but it's still resident there then on a second's notice, it will come back into activity. And the old realities, the painful, you know, uh, sad, fearful, rageful realities that we haven't resolved that go right back to our earliest childhood are TSRs in the mind. 
and and you'll notice how you can be rolling along and everything's sweet and wonderful, and all of a sudden, kabang, that TSR is activated, and in a fraction of a second, just like when you've got a TSR for your printer and you hit print, bing, the printer starts, that reality comes into play. And so certainly uh, when you utilize the forgiveness process on a, a, a regular basis and it becomes just a, a natural practice, then you get to collapse into those TSRs. You get to drop into them. The, the goal of the worksheet, though, for me, wouldn't be to go back to the first time that it happened. The goal would be to cancel, to, to locate the goal that I've got in this moment, to cancel that goal so that I can collapse the projection from whatever brain cells it's in and I can drop into that hidden part of my mind. And as I drop into that hidden part of my mind, that's how I get to dissolve and remove whatever that TSR is. And I'll know that it's removed when a situation happens that normally I just go berserk over and all of a sudden the situation happens and I kind of, you know, I kind of blink my eyes and look around inside myself. It's like, well, where, where is that one? I've forgiven. I've removed that TSR. And so that is no longer going to be there to tarnish my perception. And, of course, the idea of the practice of the worksheet is to get to the point where it just becomes first nature to dissolve, 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 remove, remove, remove the things that don't belong. So that would be my take. And Terry, you started to say something? Go for it. Yeah, this is this is uh, bringing up some good stuff. It's like uh, my my ego or my mind is all is an evidentiary device, which, which we talked about, discussed, and it's, it was always quote unquote right. But my mind's always presents its evidence or its information. So the worksheet is give is like a, a, a tool to bypass the mind, like the parable or some other tools that we uh, discussed and talked about, and it kind of tricks the mind, so to speak, so it takes its attention off of what it thinks is the object, and it opens up the window for deeper experience. And what that connects directly with me in relation to some work that I've done around, like meditation, for example. I was told early on, years and years ago, that my ego can meditate. You know, it'll be all good. My ego can be saintly. My ego can be, you know, whatever, bad, all that kind of stuff. So my ego can do worksheets, and I can use worksheets as a diversionary tool and stay in lock that mind spin, thinking, well, if I just do enough, if I could do enough of these, if I could figure that out, and I get it on that worksheet, then everything will be all right. But that's another lie that the mind's presenting to me because the, the mind energy itself is not capable of undoing that construct. And then the, the collapse that occurs during the worksheets and opening it up and bringing in Ruka and the divine energy, then it's burned off into breath. So it breathes and, and, and it's just dissipated. And I don't have to do 5,000 worksheets on that one thing. And I don't have to avoid uh, experiencing that because we burn it off. We get into the breath. Is that in alignment with what I've been understanding this work to be, Michael, or not? Well, my my take would be that what I, what I'm almost hearing you saying is, you know, and you being in the construction business, I want to build a house, and you know I've got a ball peen hammer and I've got a framing hammer, but you know I really don't want to use the framing hammer. I just want to use the ball peen hammer, and I'm going to really have trouble building a house if I don't ever pick up the framing hammer. The framing stage is going to be really tough. So one tool doesn't exclude the other. Each one's got its place. And, of course, anything can be misused, but but each tool has its place, and you want to use it in the appropriate time in the appropriate place. So I I, I would be careful about saying, well, my ego can, can do worksheets, and that won't get me anywhere. I'd use that tool appropriately and with integrity and, you know, let go of the need to fool myself and really use the tool and and willingly drop into the hidden parts of my mind. And then when those parts start to move, yes, that's the place to invite Rookie in. That's the place, place to breathe. And, of course, that's why the, the word breathe is so, you know, is the, the, the largest letters on the worksheet several times is the word breathe because each tool has a place. And to try and do a project and leave one of the tools out 
I think is a gross error. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was saying. So it's not that I don't do worksheets. Uh, uh, the, the worksheet can't, you know, if I'm you know, like the ball peen hammer. You know, that's a, that's a great example, and you heard me laugh because I can relate to that between the framing hammer and the ball peen. There's a place for the worksheets. There's a place for the breath and the mind shifter. See, I realize there's, uh, there's several exactly. things I've been resistant, resistant to. One was the mind shifter, so I got myself a mind shifter this morning. Uh, there's resistance, and if I've got resistance, I want to move into that resistance and and just go through and see what's going on around that. So I have some resistance around the mind shifter. I had some resistance around worksheets and uh, uh, came to that clarity this morning. So that you know, with the willingness, I'm able to say, okay, oh, yeah, I've got some uh, resistance around that. So that's where I want to go next, as opposed to thinking it's avoidance, because the resistance is kind of similar to avoidance as far in my uh, uh, experience is that if I'm resistant, then I'm avoiding. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if you go back into the Aramaic language, the word Satan is not a capital letter word, the name of a dude. The word Satan is a lowercase word, and it means the resistor, one who misleads. And basically, what happens is. When I find myself wanting to think about or talk about somebody else, when I'm in pain or turmoil, I'm being misled by my mind, and I'm in resistance to talking about me. So, you know, the whole process of denial, when I speak or think as though somebody outside of me is the cause of something that's going on inside of me, and, and I'll know the difference because in one case, my inclination is going to be to talk about me. Gee, you know, I've got sadness up or rage up or fear up, and I'm ready to do some work and move through this, where on the other side, it, it becomes a conversation about somebody else. Well, I'm in my sadness or fear, but, you know, if you just, um, and, and that's the tendency of the non-being mind is to put the conversation outside of itself. So to always keep bringing it back home. And, you know, when the non-being mind comes up with its, its hallucinations, its uh, its realities. Its realities seem so real that the tendency is to buy the mislead, to go into resistance, I don't want to do that, and buy the mislead. And, and the mislead is always, if I could just get you to do it differently, then I'd be okay. And that's like <laughs> so, so classic in, in the relationship game. And and I'm talking about me now. And what I've realized is, and, and it's taken some time for me to get to this awareness, is that if I want to have, if I have something come up and I want to be in my anger about it and say, and if you would just, and I have to stop and go, oh, take a breath, Michael. I'm, I'm in denial. I'm I'm trying to put it outside of me. I'm, try, I'm thinking that if you'd just be different, then I wouldn't have to deal with this. And the truth is, if I don't ever deal with this, and oftentimes that's the reason you're being the way you are because I need to deal with this, it'll literally, that energy of hostility or fear stored in tissue ultimately will literally kill me. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a huge piece of learning to stop and at least in your own mind go into a conversation about yourself. It's, it's huge. And uh, again, I'm, I'm speaking from experience with that one because the, 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 the tendency, the temptation to buy into the picture of somebody else being caused is so huge. And why is that? Because we come from a thousand generations of people that believe that somebody else was caused. And probably in our early, especially our early formative years, we never heard of anybody speaking actual words of responsibility. Never anybody, not on television, not in the newspaper, not the politicians, not the teachers, not the ministers, the priests, the rabbis, the authorities of the culture. Never have we ever seen anybody who said, hmm, I'm in pain. I think I've got some work to do. Would you support me? <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a new appearance on the planet. And so the old resistor will tend to come in and, and trick us. It is the trickster. <laughs> coyote. Yeah, the coyote, yeah. And, of course, the mind shifter, the whole idea of the mind shifter 
is to recognize that the mind works by resonance. And when I write a mind shifter, what it does is it opens a file in my mind with all related content. And as I use a mind shifter, I dump the file out on the page and I get to see what it is that I need to forgive, what I need to remove. And that's where then I, I see, oh, gee, there's a key piece there. Man, I didn't know that was in there. Where did that come from? There's my next worksheet. Does that fit? Make sense? It does. And and, and that, that directly relates to that experience I was having about the fluidity of my projection. It was moving back and forth between myself and then projecting onto my this beautiful lady Susan that I have in my life and it was moving back and forth and it's like my ego wasn't wanting to see it on itself so I was projecting it all onto her and to other things places. And it was just and, and looking at it from a place of love, that was that's my automatic uh uh resource I guess that allows me to to see it. It was it's like a living parable. Okay, I can't see it in my own mind, but now I project it out and then I see it, but if I'm willing to own it and realize it is my own mind, then I can I got something to work with. Definitely. The key being who's feeling it. Yes, absolutely. And and how beautiful is it that that this whole universe is based on resonance and the person who just looks so delicious to us is a person with a matching bag of garbage that's going to get to show us what we get to look at. And, of course, what turns into what we call love relationships are the relationships where we have those matching bags of garbage and we get to show each other. And, of course, to keep bringing being into that relationship and the the use of the tools opens the space for that which would otherwise end up, you know, the the relationship that ends up in hell is the precise relationship that will take us to heaven. The only difference mm. is we use the tools. If we don't use the tools, this relationship will take us to hell. If we use the tools, this relationship will take us to heaven. The only difference is, do I use the tools or not? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's fun because, because both states are within us. Both states exist within our own genetic structures and our own minds. When we did the, uh, you know, we did this um, uh, workshop series down in uh, Monroe, Louisiana for a group of pastors, and there was a woman there, and she shared how she had fallen into uh, a psychotic state, and she found herself in what to her looked like a prison, and there was just all this craziness all this insanity and pain and rage and fear and she's closed in by it and all of a sudden she realizes that it's her own mind and then she set the whole thing up and and she can see beyond her mind and in her mind what she saw was Yeshua and she said, Yeshua, get me out of this, get me out of this and Yeshua says, I didn't put you in there (laughs) and Yeshua didn't reach in to pull her out like he was the one that could do it for her. That's one of the biggest misbeliefs of the so-called Christian world. Oh, well, Yeshua is going to fix it for you. No, Yeshua is going to be the space that's going to support you in doing your work and freeing yourself from that hellish prison that's inside of your own genes and your own mind. You know, that, that parable or that story where there's a woman who has a 12-year issue of blood and she heals when she touches Yeshua and, and, and wants to go to, oh, Yeshua fixed me. And Yeshua says, no, very clearly, your work made you whole. It was you that did this. I'm just the space. I'm here to empower you. If you do it, it's going to heal. If you don't do it, it's not going to heal. And that's that free will zone. It was actually part of her story that opened the understanding of the free will zone. And we're the ones who have to let go of the things that are stored there. And we are down to just the last few seconds, so I kind of need to close the show out. But I hope that maybe we can continue this conversation tomorrow and uh, just know that we're holding the space and uh, are, are just blessed and honored by each and every one of you that chooses to uh, to play and to bring this work forward, uh, whether you're doing it just in your own life or whether you're sharing it with someone else. It's just uh, awesome to watch how it grows and how it moves. We do have... 
uh, and the schedule is the flyer isn't on the website yet, but the schedule's on the uh, the website for two intensives we'll be doing uh, this winter in Florida. We'll actually be right near Orlando. We're, this is going to be like a, a, an intensive in paradise. It's, we've got this 3,500-square-foot, absolutely awesome home, whole month of February, codependence to interdependence, nine-day to 16-day, and then laws of living. Come join us. Blessings. Have a great day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.